Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have an incredibly full episode for you. We are joined by a special guest on this podcast for the entire time, and we have the chief for two-thirds of the episode. We are also recapping that Montreal win, the total decisive victory by FC Cincinnati. We dive into a little bit of the roster build and salary cap reactions there with Pat before finally wrapping it up with a Hell is Real preview and predictions. That's going to be your Cincy Postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, we've got the usual crew in Grayson and Chief, but through the willows and pines, we are joined by the one and only <laughs> Pat Brennan of the Cincinnati Enquirer. Pat, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. And my dog decided to start squeaking a toy right as we got going here. So I'm It's cool. a true podcast now. This is I'm, fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely focused and engaged. And no, it's been it's great to be back. Uh, I haven't been getting my royalty checks from you guys <laughs> as a true. co-host. Yeah, neither but, have I. <laughs> so okay. we, we uh, make I'm sixty still... cents an episode. So you divide that by four, and there's your one fourth share there. So I think if anyone has like a couple quarters in the pocket, I think we can make this happen. Yeah, you keep yeah. you, you know, keep well, saying I... we make sixty cents an episode. We made. 60 cents for an episode. An episode. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, like so many guys on FC Cincinnati's roster, I just want fair market value. That's all I'm asking for. 60 cents an episode is yeah. the senior minimum $67,000 a year, I think. I will send yeah, I you. Think so. I'll go to Kroger's and purchase you one can of PAM podcast allocation money. And so don't, <laughs> don't spray it all in one place. <laughs> oh no, Pat! I'm so happy to have you here. We've been uh, we've been missing your insight as we're nearing. I think we're nearing the halfway point of the season. Uh, what are we? A one third? Like a third? I was third just thinking point. about that. It they've played almost half a season's worth of games, but we're yeah, it's more like one third because the Open Cup and all that crap. Yeah, it's a it's a funny season here uh, in Cincinnati, but I I can't. I'll, we'll start with this one, the Montreal game that happened last night. I I am struggling to think of a more complete FC Cincinnati performance. I'll say ever. Like it's been a long time since we've seen a dismantling. My mind goes back to uh, GB Fall dismantling St. Louis. That yeah. might be that might be the game that gives this one a run for its money. But didn't yeah, they beat was... San Jose six nothing last year? Yeah, you got to put that in the conversation. <laughs> okay, fair. I don't know. This one felt better. I felt like we scored like three of those goals after like the 85th minute against yes, San Jose. Yes. So that was um, one of that was one of Brenner's deceptive. <laughs> Deceptively yes. big game. <laughs> stat padding. Exactly. Uh, stat padding blow up. No, yeah. I, I think that you also have to put this into consideration for one of the best wins ever, just because of the circumstance of it would have been so phenomenally easy for this team to look ahead to what's coming this weekend. Big rivalry game. Team that they historically have not had great success against. Team that came back last year and snatched that 2-2 draw at the death and 
hadn't played for a week. This is Montreal midweek game. And this had every indication of being a trap game. And it just wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the organization, too, you know, I, I don't I imagine a lot of this marketing stuff. The players have obviously nothing whatsoever to do with probably doesn't come across their desks. But, you know, you had a healthy contingent of FCC's marketing wing. Um, full steam ahead on Columbus on, I think it was Monday. They were down at the stadium yeah. uh, doing Hell is Real, spicy, you know, spice-infused <laughs> flavor. <laughs> Hell is Real food, yeah! <laughs> and uh, so, like, they had media down to do that. And, yeah, people were literally and figuratively and every otherly like they were looking past this game. So I thought it was a good quote from Pat Noonan last night because, you know, he's kind of robotic on some of his responses. Um, this is after the Montreal game, I mean. And, you know, we know that he's like all good coaches. He is a one one game at a time mentality. Deal with the immediate task in front of you and only that. But I think he was aware he, – he expressed some awareness of the fact that this was a potential look-ahead situation because he said, my job this week – for the, my job for the first part of this week was to not talk about Columbus. <laughs> now the game's over. We can talk about Columbus. But for the first couple of days, I had to not pretend it wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, I, like the Chief said, 110% – checks all the boxes as a classic trap game and they just were unfazed by it. Yeah. I I mean, I I committed that sin in previewing Montreal. I I took us on like a 10-minute Columbus tangent alone. I I it was so easy to get sucked into that narrative that yeah, I I completely agree that it was it felt like the entire FCC apparatus was focused on Columbus, and it just goes to show you the the heck of a job that uh, Noonan is doing with FCC, staying focused, staying on this, and a little bit of squad rotation in this game as well. And they didn't really miss a beat. And I think the the name that sticks out immediately after that game is Ian Murphy stepping up and looking like a starter against Montreal. A Montreal team that I think was on a six, six. or seven game yeah. win streak. Yeah. Six in all competitions. Well, do you know yeah. what do you know who Ian looked like? The players he replaced. He looked like those 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 quick kind of sweeping steps forward to break up passes clog up lanes i thought it was like trademark yerson when ian came forward and had that like huge tackle that led to what was lucho's goal for two nil yeah mm -hmm. um yeah i mean and there were other examples of it throughout the game ian looked fantastic i thought dom looked good too i don't want to yeah, I don't want to end the conversation on Ian prematurely, but that was really encouraging. Like, there's some question right now about, you know, Yerson, when is he going to when is he going to go back to Wolves? Some people are talking about that. I don't think they have to worry about it. Uh, fans have to worry about it this regular season. But um, the question it's it's out there. And yeah. let's say worst case scenario, they were to only get half a season out of Yerson after last night, you've 
you don't feel great about that under any circumstance, but you sure feel a lot better just seeing what Ian Murphy's got in his locker. And you yeah. forget too sometimes how young Ian Murphy is. Yeah. Like we saw him right out of the shoot last year and he played, I thought he played okay to start the year and definitely regressed a little bit as the season wore on. And you forget with players that are young sometimes that it's not a linear curve upward in growth. We've kind of seen that a little bit with Alvaro Barrial, where at the start it was up, it was down, it was up, it was down. And now he's on a rocket ship trajectory. But sometimes young players, they take a step back or need to take a step back before they can start taking steps forward. Yeah. Pat, I'm, I'm curious if you'd agree with me uh, on this one. Um, and I know Baji did nothing wrong, to to be clear. I, I've got nothing against the man. He puts in a shift. But yeah. after last night, I really think Kubo should be taking that. I, I don't know what position that is on the striker death chart. Is that fourth or fifth? But um, he really should be in consideration ahead of Baji, in my opinion. Am really? I crazy? I think so. I think he um, offers so much more creatively. You have perplexed Pat with this. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, I, I I disagree with Kevin, and I can talk a second while Pat gathers his thoughts. Yeah, please, please. Uh, please do. So I think if we had a full complement of strikers, you could convince me that Kubo should be higher on the striker depth chart than Baji if we're starting, you know, Brandon and Santos or Brandon Brenner, and we're looking to find a sub. But um, I think Kubo right now is too valuable off the bench to mm. start when Brenner and Santos aren't here because Kubo is like your first option for four different positions. Yeah. You know, like he's yeah. Lucho's, you know, he, he could be like a Lucho backup. He could be like a OB or junior sub. He could sub in, you know, at forward. But I, if if you start him and then you're looking at the bench for a sub yeah. for one of a number of positions depending on game circumstances, what's your other what's your other move? And I feel I don't know. I I, I like him I like him in that role with the team we had yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I agree with oh I'm sorry. Chief. No, go for it. No, you are the well, guest of honor. I completely I I think Grayson made a better argument than I will fashion for you guys here and now. Um I I feel like Dom's holdup play was good yesterday. He yeah. was he had some good looks. He made a good look for Brandon Vasquez. All of that tended to happen in the first forty five minutes. I think that's part of the reason he came off after about an, an hour or so, if yeah. I'm uh, recalling that correctly. Um, but yeah, I think Yuya is probably too valuable at. A variety of different positions but look i thought i mean look the the situation of striker is not great right now but i think it's it's a you're not oh you might only have to deal with this um on saturday against columbus and then just get kind of muddle through that open cup match which i think if fc cincinnati decides they want to go for that one i think they should be able to get it pretty reasonably easy easily rather and i pat said today pat noonan um at mhtc that 
Sergio, as you guys have probably seen, he hasn't. He's questionable for Saturday against Columbus. I don't yeah. think he'll play. It sounds like they're really, really on the fence about him playing on Saturday. But mm. uh, it sounds like they'd like to have him back for sure, either Tuesday against the Red Bulls in the Open Cup or Saturday against uh, the Rapids in, in suburban uh, Denver there. So I don't think you're going to have to deal with this you know, short lineup of strikers for too much longer. Um, it, even with Sergio back, you're still, it's still a little bit uncomfortable because you don't have Brenner. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they have to deal with this for too much longer. And I think I'd rather see Dom Baji, who is probably the more experienced player at that position. Yeah, with if a, you just have to weather if the proposition is we just have to weather this one last game with Baji, what you get from him is you get professional minutes and you he's not a guy that's going to go out there and get you beat by doing something he shouldn't do. So he's a a great reserve and a great guy that's a backup for that reason. And um, I guess if your striker bench is going to be short, it's great that Brandon Vasquez seems to be finding some form in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if him and Lucho want to catch fire right now, which is what is happening, like the sample size there is small, but it's noticeable if you've watched this team over the 14 matches they've played. And if one or both of them is going to go on a tear right now, this is all moot. It doesn't matter who's playing next to Brandon because you're going to have Brandon and Lucho uh, contributing, setting up, setting each other up, maybe even setting setting up whoever's playing alongside Brandon to score goals. So. This is all moot if Lucho and Brandon <laughs> want to go on a tear right now. Yeah, so, Brandon suddenly has four goals in all comps. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'd be yeah. curious on your take on this because we've talked about it a lot on the show. Brandon, was it he was pushing too hard? Was it in his head? What was the or was it just the fans making a lot of over the fact that he was getting quality chances and it was just barely not there Where, where's the truth in all this of what was up with brandon to start the season do you think i think okay i think it's it's it starts with being truly truly unlucky there was at least one chance in each of the first four matches i think for brandon that either you know i think against the dynamo it was one that he whistled over the crossbar at the in the south end of the stadium in the first half yeah the first half um he hit the post. He hit, he hit the crossbar at Orlando. He hit he hit a post in Chicago. So those breaks don't go his way. He could have had three goals in his first five games. Instead, he has none. Then what you're talking about, Chief, all of that starts to come into play. Now it's in his head. Now it's starting to snowball. And uh, people are starting to nitpick. And the whole thing kind of just you know, maybe Brandon starts to get in his own way a little bit mentally. I don't know that for sure because I'm, I'm not his shrink. I don't know if he has. <laughs> I don't know if he has one to be clear. Um, but you know, I think he was still doing productive things. Yeah. So I was never like, I am a Brandon Vasquez guy. I like Brandon Vasquez as a person. I like him for this organization as a person and a player. Um, so I guess in that sense, I'm like journalistically like in his corner, so to speak. <laughs> um, 
might have just journalistically compromised myself. <laughs> hey, an admitted no, bias no. is no. so much better. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody who cares will but hear look, this. Look, this is how, that's how I feel about the guy. And um, I, I, I think the microscope might have been – the scrutiny might have been harsh, but it was only because he had such a great year last year and he fell off his own torrid scoring pace so fast because he was scoring so much last year so you know some of it's legit but like the cream is going to rise it has with brandon um you know touch wood that it keeps going for him and the fans but four goals in all competitions like grayson said it doesn't seem and, and you factor in the near misses the other good stuff he's doing I think he's got a couple assists it looks okay, you know, a third of the way through the season. It looks okay. Yeah. I think we all would have expected a little bit more at least, but it's okay for now. And this team, okay, you know, you're getting a lot of okay contributions from a lot of different places. And holy crap, you know, through 14 <laughs> matches, they have only lost once. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm okay with okay. The, the, the one, and this is, this is, this is a little unfair, right? But the, like purely you know kind of brutal look at it that you have like the ruthless look you have yeah. to look at when you're looking at like building your roster particularly in MLS is Brandon went from somebody making you know just under $300,000 and giving you 19 goals to somebody making $900,000 and going you know four games without a goal um, it just, and I don't, I don't mean, I don't say this to be too hard on him. Right. But when, once you give the players that much money, the, the lack of contribution hurts more because is, you can't, you can't go, you know, replace them. Right. This is also the most Cincinnati take of all time because I've been I've been I've thought this about Cincinnati for a long time is that we love our sports stars until they get the bag <laughs> when, when, they are, when they are working class heroes. We love them. Right. But as soon right. as they get paid, they're a bum. They're not earning what they're supposed to do. They're not one of us any longer. And it happened all the time with the Reds. I'm sitting here not eager, but sort of got a pin in this story for joe burrow as well as soon as all yeah. joe cool signs that big ass deal then all of a sudden i think the haters are going to start emerging from the woodwork and yeah there is a little bit of that at work i think with brandon too yeah. in this town is that once you get paid our expectations start to become a little unrealistic in this town okay that's interesting <laughs> i mean look look he he didn't okay so he got this right like Part of the reason I think we're on the money bit is because the salaries just got dumped this week by MLSPA, which is such an interesting tactic by the union for <laughs> yes. me. I think it is helpful. It is equal for as much as it might help them. I think it hurts them too. It's just an, it's an interesting tax by them to put it all out there. Transparency is great. I'm never going to complain about that as a journalist. Just an odd. <laughs> it's just it's just odd to me. Yeah. Um, but look, we we now see the full scope of. Brandon Vasquez's raise. Um, we saw a little bit of a bump in his numbers at the end of last year after he had signed the deal, but that was obviously whether that was prorated or 
whatever. It wasn't the full scope of it. Now we've seen the full scope of it. You know, it's a little under a million. Um, yeah, it's in the 900,000s, I think, for base salary and then guaranteed compensation. He's in the seven figures. Um, you know, I'll say this for Brandon. He, it's, he, he didn't spit the bit last year after he signed it. And he knew what the numbers were then. You know, it wasn't reflected in the salary guide. He still finished the year well. He scored the goal against the Red Bulls in the playoffs. Um, I don't think either of the forwards covered themselves in glory in the semifinal round against Philadelphia. So, yeah. um, and and even after that, I think Brandon was still doing things to increase his value, whether that's, you know, his first call up with the men's national team. That's all, that's all relevant to Cincinnati because I think the proposition for Vasquez is still, he wants to move abroad, whether that's to Mexico or Europe wherever you know all of that is increasing his value and fc cincinnati not the national team are going to reap the benefits of that so he goes for the national team scores a goal his second call up was kind of unfortunate just the game was not well suited for him i think he didn't play poorly he just couldn't get into the game yeah um and maybe a great maybe you, you we can nitpick that but i don't think it was a game that was suited for his style so and he only played, you know, 60 minutes or whatever. But all of that in the in the meantime, before he gets hot, um, I think all of that is to FC Cincinnati's benefit. So I don't know. I I'm not like I said, I think it's been an okay year all around for Vasquez. I'm not I hear what Grayson's saying. I'm not I'm content with where with what he's brought to the table so far. And especially when you put it in the frame of, like I just said, if you're going to sell him at some point, the national team call-ups, all that's relevant. All that's building his value. Yeah, and I, get, and I guess the good part for it too is that it's allowed other – his lack of production or his, you know, missing those unlucky chances has also offered the opportunity for a lot of other people to find the back of the net too. So you see a confident Sergio Santos. Um Last night, Lucho finds the net again, which is if Lucho's contributing goals in addition to his facilitation play, I mean, that's just anything he scores himself, you know, Olympicos notwithstanding, anything he <laughs> scores himself from open play is just added benefit. And that goal last night was just, God, you just put it on, put a picture of it on the wall somewhere. That's just, I, it's, it's beautiful. His, uh, he had a quote. And Pat, you can you can get the the wording correct for me here, uh, where they said um, of him and Vasquez that they've awakened the beast. That like <laughs> those two are feeling yeah. they're feeling it now. And Vasquez had a chip uh, in that game as well, an attempted chip of the keeper from about yeah. the midway line. I know I immediately he's tweeted like a, he's, he's tried that a couple times recently, and I yeah. love it. I and like, I love it mm -hmm. every single yes, time, absolutely. every time. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, Brenner's uh, rainbow flick or sombrero flick uh, last year where it was like, this is kind of stupid, but it tells me like, you're still confident. Like you're, yeah. you're still there. And, and that's exactly how I took that. And yeah, Lucho trying <laughs> to set up Vasquez. Hitting it too softly and then just going and scoring it himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the perfect encapsulation of where this offense, I hope, is headed. So yeah. if these guys are firing on all cylinders, it has to be said, too, Vasquez is doing this without a $13 million Brazilian 
strike partner, which is who he had for at least for most of last year. Yeah. Like half of last year, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying most and being very charitable. <laughs> so I don't know. Part of me wonders too if he doesn't see his numbers produced. Not that Santos is some slouch or, or anybody else on the team, but a, a Brenner or Brenner's well, replacement, if that yeah. doesn't help him as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Brenner opened up so much for uh, not just Vasquez, but uh, a few different players. And yeah, it's significant in so many ways that he's not there right now. I completely agree with that. I don't want to get yeah. too far off the Montreal game because I know like this Please. was this was a – I thought it was a good win. I'm excited about the win. Yeah. Um, another clean sheet for Celentano and the defense on this. I think now with that, he sets the record. Not that that's something to brag about given how awful <laughs> and tragic the defense has been for this team since the start of MLS. but. Um, he's had sort of an up and down year a little bit this year in terms of his play on the field, but, um, I thought all in all the defense was great last night. I didn't think Montreal at any point at no point did I feel like Montreal was a threat to score one goal, let alone the two or three it would have taken to get back in this game. And I think it's a testament to, to Celentano. And I think it's a testament to just the whole backline Miazga and the other person who I think that like we need to talk about more especially given his salary situation is Nick Hagland just making that kind of money as an anchor point of a team that is contention for supporters shield and has one of the highest point totals, I think at this point in the season in recent MLS history. And yet there's Nick Hagland out there putting in (laughs) shift after shift (laughs) did it again last night too. And it was just fun to watch. I love it. He looks great, man. And I know, I think we'll talk. I think Kevin said we're going to talk about some of the salary stuff, but man, what a bargain. I hate to say that because I see these guys and I interact with them. And right. bar, bar, bargain for the GM and the cap and the fans means something very different to the player. <laughs> to the player, it's like crap. Right. I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. Um, and that sucks. You, you yeah. hate that for these guys. But yeah, like, wow. This is I it's hard to imagine Chris Albright could have dreamt that this team would be doing what it's doing with the resources he had um at yeah. this stage in his time here. And the reason Nick Hagland or part of the reason it's happening is because of contributions like Nick Hagland where you just don't expect to get that kind of efficiency and productivity for the dollar amount. Should we be demanding apologies from every pundit who mocked the uh, Hagland acquisition in 2019? Is that is that something wow. we can go back and do retroactively wow. still? <laughs> I mean, you signed like three new contracts yeah. since then. Revenge yeah. the dish best served ice fucking cold. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do have to say this. Celentano has been very good. Um, and, and, uh, Pat, to your point, he made the, uh, he made the bench for the athletics all budget 11. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, a buddy of mine who is a uh, casual soccer fan, more of a basketball football guy. He, uh, he texted me during the game last night. Celentano has played it out of bounds four straight times. And then a gif of a man screaming what is happening. And it needs to be said that his distribution 
continues to get worse. I don't know how this is possible. It's not very good to begin with. Do you, I guess my question to you, Pat, is do you see them practicing uh, at training these these sort of long ball kicks? Is this something yeah. that is being worked yeah, on? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. I, I do, man. <laughs> and these guys, it's crazy. I mean, look, they're, it's so hard to get inside a player's head yeah. Think about what it's like to be in the arena, like literally, you know. Right. The man uh, in the arena. Yeah. yeah that's, what I, <laughs> that's what I was trying to touch on. But um, no, I see these guys training like feet in front of me. And whether it's Loro or Can or Celentano, they're just, they just can drop and stop a ball and spin it back on a dime. It's incredible. Mm. So, you know, I don't know what what maybe the problem is there. I actually didn't. I have to say, I I, I was writing a fair bit during the game last night. One of the luxuries of a cushy, <laughs> comfortable performance by Maddie is I get to get a head start on my writing. The sports really, writer's dream. <laughs> yeah, no, really, it is. I do need to be better about keeping my head up and on the action. <laughs> I didn't notice his distribution. I think it was one of those games where, like, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there will be games where it sure as hell does. And uh, it feels like we have a few of those coming up, especially this weekend. So I don't know. I think the, look, if we're, if we're going to say Ian Murphy is, you know, still so young and yep. um, progression yeah. isn't necessarily linear. And, uh, you know, even, even though Celentano's position is a little bit of a hot seat position, he's always going to be scrutinized because of where he plays you know um i think you're still getting good value there for a generation adidas guy in his second year same draft class as murphy and uh you know yeah i don't i don't this the clean sheet record it's looks good in a tweet (laughs) yeah it yeah a little a little tweet graphic for the club that's solid you know he did it in two fewer starts than tt cool cool next like next (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just good to erase a lot of those names from whatever the record book is is. just just let's let's start purging a few names so that i don't have to ever see them again i'm sure he was a lovely guy it just reminds me of a time in fcc's fandom that i'd just rather forget to be honest with you absolutely Uh, so is there anything else from this game? Oh, uh, we got to say this. Uh, shout out to Barial for avoiding a yellow card, getting the start. I'll say controversially because I would have benched him. But um, yeah, didn't get the yellow card. Still look good. Uh, Obi picks up a card that makes his fourth. Uh, so he's still good to play against Columbus. But depending on how Columbus goes, I'd go ahead and place money on him picking up a yellow card in that game. Um May not see him uh, against Colorado, but um, yeah, I don't know. Pat, thoughts on Barriel so far this season, the progress this guy has made this year? Uh, I think he – I don't know if he's necessarily focusing on his defending. I think the defending has been what he's hung his hat on. Um, mm. cer- I mean, certainly more so than scoring because he obviously hadn't scored until, what, the D.C. United match. So – uh, and that was two matches ago. Yeah. So um, he hasn't been, but look, he's been as active in the attack um, 
I think there were, there was a point not too long ago where, you know, some advanced stats pointed to him, uh, Barial, that is being, you know, the most progressive attacking dribbler FC Cincinnati has. Part of that's because he's, and, you know, the way that's measured, I think, is uh, a dribble, of, a successful dribbles of uh, 10 yards or more. So, mm. all right, he's coming from the back line. So most of his attacking movements with the ball at his feet are going to be 30, 40 yards long <laughs> yeah. if he's not passing. <laughs> but, like, you know, there's still something to be said for that. I think, I think you see that bear itself out um, down the flank on the edge of the opponent's 18. It just seems like he's always there. He's always, you know, pushing balls through the box. Um, so, I I mean, look, I – when I when I spoke when I wrote about him probably a month or six weeks ago and spoke to Chris Albright, you know, there's a few guys. One of the reasons FC Cincinnati is so good is because they suddenly have this wealth of players that, um, you know, a small army of guys that are going to be getting looks are getting looks from Europe. And Barrial is one of those guys. And sooner rather than later, I imagine um, he's going to find himself in a top five European league. And that's, I, I think you get, you get that from him and you see that uh, yeah. from him every night. I saw a tweet a couple days ago that Barrial was, he was, he was, he was in a list and he was like third or fourth in the league in successful crosses, um, yeah. which, you know, I think that, I mean, he, he looked he had a lot of dangerous balls in yesterday and obviously he did the free kick that uh led to yeah. the own goal yeah. that you know i know a montreal player got to it first but it was in an incredibly dangerous area and like there it was like pretty close to matt miazga getting to it yeah. uh Haglin and brandon were both right there and obviously the montreal defender couldn't do anything with it the yeah, replay that was, of that, by the way, is just hilarious. Yeah. There was a good angle on the field of uh, Miazga running around to Hagland and uh, Vasquez. Did you touch that? Did you touch <laughs> I didn't touch that. <laughs> Figuring out how that went in. So the other person we haven't talked about in this game and recently, um, so it brings to mind this question that I'll lead off with. Is Alvis Powell the new starter? opposite barrial that's a great question chief i love that <laughs> that's no that's good that's good because what was the deal with Santiarius and why did they drag out his um his trial for as long as they did it's because they wanted to test his body and make sure he could hold up and sadly now this isn't something to laugh about sadly 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 uh, I think it is going the way, kind of trending toward the worst case scenario deal. Now he got on the field against Montreal, great. Yeah, um, you can start to build his fitness back up now. But look, I'd have to check my notes, but it's like two, at least two, relatively long stints where he's been unavailable for the team since the season started. Mm -hmm. I, you know. Um, uh he's 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 paid well i think for like what you know where he's at in his career and he had he had the bona fides to warrant like that's like he's worth it you yep. know based on all the factors that you account for when you a player goes into a trial 
I'm not debating that, but you know, it just sucks. You're probably not getting that out of him right now. I know he's, you know, it was interesting. I saw, I saw Chris Albright go up to him in the locker room last night. He was dapping up some of the guys and Santee was, he was enjoying himself. There was music on in the game, uh, in the locker room after the game, which isn't always the case after they win. Uh, but they were, you know, they knew that was one to celebrate. And Chris comes over and he he sees, or uh, Santi kind of sees Chris standing in front of him. And he kind of gave it like a shrug, like, almost like, almost, almost like I'm sorry, you know? Mm. Like, so I think he knows it hasn't gone the way that it's, obviously it hasn't gone the way he's wanted it to go to this point. So to answer the Chiefs question, I think, well, Ray and Alvis can kind of tag team it, right? I think Ray gives you a more defensive presence, but it's been yeah. really hard to ignore. And we've talked about it before that as soon as Alvis started getting more regular minutes, the right side of the attack began to open up a lot more and yeah. the attack became a lot more balanced to where it wasn't just everything flowing Barial's way. Yeah. Now Barial yeah. has the ability to switch the possession over to wide open sections of the right-hand side because teams just simply weren't defending it. Well, okay. I'm comfortable saying this. Whereas up until maybe this week, whether it was Gaddis or Powell, you know, they were in my mind definitively just keeping the seat warm for Santee. And even though he got on the field last night, I would say today they are probably in more of a platoon situation where the mm. job is up for grabs. Maybe it's a little bit more Santee's than anyone else's if he can really get healthy here. But I would say it feels more like a platoon to me than straight up, Arius, this is your job. When you're ready, come and come back and have it. I think Chief's point that Pal should should be viewed as ahead of Gaddis, you know, right now. I think that was kind of the point Chief was making and we've made in the past. I think that has to be true right now, based on how the team looks when Pal starts versus when Ray starts. And even when Ray came in yesterday for Barial, um you could see what was missing. I mean, obviously. I'm not saying you can't sub him, right? But and they're just different players. But there was a number of there was a couple of times where you know Lucho had the ball uh, in the attacking half to third, and there wasn't the outlet for him that Barrial provides because you know Ray was so far back, and maybe he was playing farther back, you know, because they were up three goals, but. Um, I don't think just Ray doesn't provide that like Alvis for his imperfections, you know, he gets, he gets up and down the field really, really well. And he does, and he is like a presence in the attacking third more than, more than Ray is. Oh yeah. I agree with all that. I think my point is. Yeah. Just, fine. It's pow Fine. Let's say it's Powell. That's totally, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, more than willing to be uh, corrected, prove it wrong, all of that. Um, I just think they are 
thinking more about the possibility. You know, yeah, I mean, I guess it goes back to Chief's question. Um, I think they're closer to giving the job to Powell um, than they are to just like, 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 like I said, Powell's keeping this seat warm, probably less, less of that and more of the mm -hmm. latter, which is what Chief is asking. Yeah, that's fair. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm also curious too. Has uh, has Noonan or even Albright addressed the uh, I don't know Barial taking over dead ball situations? Uh, he is, to my eye, ten times more dangerous on corners and free kicks than Lucho is. Lucho, I no doubt a much better player when the ball is moving but for some reason it doesn't translate to a dead ball situation right. and it does feel like over the last game or two Barrio is getting more and more of those looks I don't know if anybody has said anything about this yet. yeah I, well I, the breakdown of who's taking what and um because I I I want to say Lucho and Alvaro have their sides of the field for corners. They're separate sides of the field. Mm. But, yeah, look, what you're saying is totally true. Like, the ball's going in the back of the net when Barrio's standing <laughs> yeah. over the ball somehow. I mean, unless uh, Lucho is kicking it directly in the back of the net off the corner. Right. Which that is, is the, most efficient, yeah. the most efficient way. <laughs> yeah. So, look, I, 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 I have it in my head. I in training, I watch them practice set pieces. I feel like they probably both hit it from they both hit it from the same side sometimes. Whatever the case, yeah. um, I think the no, I don't think Noonan to answer your question specifically. I don't think Noonan has addressed like Barial versus Acosta because a lot of the times those guys will sometimes off of corners they'll do short corners and those right. combining in the corner and thinking and dunking until someone gets an open lane for a cross. Um, I which I like too. I, I like, love mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I, I yeah. it's my favorite new wrinkle in FC yeah. Cincinnati set and piece delivery, just because it gets Lucho the ball moving. And <laughs> yes. if there's two people out there defending, that means that Lucho is going to be one v one versus someone. And I will take Lucho one v one versus anyone in the oh, league. Yeah. yeah, especially it just feels so dangerous when they're. I just have a picture in my mind. It could be, you know, insert any opponent you know, colored jersey, just the two of them standing at the goalkeeper's top right corner of the penalty area. And they're on, you know, from the press box side, they're on the, that left flank, kind of, it's two versus one. And they're just figuring out who's going to, is uh, Lucho going to play Barrial down to the end line for him to get a cross in? Or is Lucho going to get like a, you know, his thing in from the that corner? So, yeah. I don't know if I don't think uh, Pat's addressed like like I said Lucho versus Barrial, but um, I think what he has talked about is the success of free kit like dead ball situations this year. They're yeah. having a lot more of that at this stage of the season than they were last year. When I think I think might have been a topic of conversation at some point last year. It was just really pronounced. I I seem to recall the lack of productivity from dead ball situations um and yeah, yeah i mean Yerson mascara has two goals off of corners you know those these are just the ones we could think of i can think of off the top of my head so and those 
both years from Mascara uh, corner kick goals were served up by Barrio. So yeah. 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 And uh, Haglin should have had one last night. Very disappointing to see <laughs> that called back. A very, very weak foul. Were we all trying to get, I'll give this to the referee, and I know it needs to be looked at. Like shortest, the shortest VAR review in history, if it even took place. But really, weren't we all just trying to get out of there at that point in the game? No, I wanted yeah. to see Nick Haglin score a goal. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Having said that, though, it, it, it did have very much the feel of the, uh, the Sunday getaway umpire strike zone oh, really? at a baseball it, game. I was just, I couldn't believe the play resumed so quickly. In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, man, wouldn't this be great for Nick? Because closing seconds, this is over. But I was pretty stunned uh, that play resumed as quickly yeah. as it did. I'm going to need to see the VAR officials uh, bet MGM account to make sure he didn't have FCC (laughs) 3-0 exact score final victory. (laughs) There was also a Lucho penalty shout early in the game that did not go to monitor, but they gave that a look anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty damning photo coming out after the game of Barrio with literally studs in his face. I don't know the explicit written law of the game, but that intuitively feels like a penalty. <laughs> Lucho, with, it was Lucho with studs in his face. Oh, sorry. Who did I say? Sabario. God. Which makes a difference because you really don't have to get the boot up that high to get That's Lucho true. in the face. Maybe like it's one of those things where it's like if you hit him in the face, you've really got to hit him in the top of the head for it to be dangerous play because we're using the reasonable person standard as to like what exactly yeah. constitutes a crime here. I do think that they they have like an unwritten rule that you can just have your foot at Lucho's head level because he's too short. Because this this happened last year against LAFC. Uh, I think it was their first goal. There was yeah. a ball in the box and Lucho was running at it to head it. And an LAFC player kicked up at the ball and would have kicked Lucho in the face if Lucho hadn't dodged. But that caused LAFC to win the ball in the box and led to their, led to their yeah. goal. And I was like, how can that not? How 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 can that not be a foul? It's just the unwritten. Like, you rules can't be of, kicking people in the in the head. It's the unwritten <laughs> rules of officiating with FC Cincinnati. It's okay to kick Lucho in the head because he's too little; they can't help it. And nothing is a foul if you do it to Yu Yakubo. Yes, I don't make the yeah. rules; they're just there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anything egregious last night against Kubo, though. So he he might have gotten away. <laughs> One game unscathed. Uh, is there anything else from this Montreal game we wanted to or needed to touch on? Uh, I did see one. I did see one headline. Oh, good. We oh, got good. a headline. Because I didn't write any. I've been <laughs> knee deep in TIFO issues. Uh, well, you know, somebody somebody in the Discord asked what what Broadway World had to say, so I just had to check. <laughs> uh, near Heaven, Brandon. After a season that's Ben Paflat, striker Vasquez stops waving through the window, steps into the sun, and tells FC offense, you will be found. I'm going to pretend like I understood that. The reference, reference yeah. is lost on me on this one. That's all right. <laughs> Apparently we're not cultured enough. There we go. No, it's uh, probably, probably one that's best not to get. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Is that biblical or what? No, it's... um. I think I, th- I think that the the headline writer uh, <laughs> did uh, uh, was making a bunch of references to the musical Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen was the play that made my wife swear off going to high school theater. <laughs> that would be a terrible one for high school theater. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, terrible. Wow. <laughs> the only worst one would be like Spring Awakening. Because there's, like, there's nudity. Like the producers where they have to march in like a swastika formation. That's probably not also great in school. Uh, that's, just, <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably... Uh, a little problematic. It's probably uh, 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 favored in a lot of schools these days, like oh, no. Anderson I'm... and <laughs> Lakota. <laughs> we have a guest. We can't go there. <laughs> I will say, and Pat, you can plug your ears here. At one point, we should ask ChatGPT to write articles based on our headlines. It only has the headline as the prompt, and it needs to sort out what happened based on the the, the headline. I think there's there's something we could get I out mean, of that. I mean, there was... the. On the subject of the Broadway thing, we did ask ChatGPT, or I did, to write FC oh, Cincinnati yeah. the musical one day, and it gave a great song rundown and characters <laughs> list for this. Oh my god! <laughs> they, I I couldn't get it to put everything in the right order because Act Two started out with them making MLS, and I needed that to be like the final number where like John Cranley is singing on stage at Ryan Guys <laughs> with Don Garber and Taylor Twellman. <laughs> well, it can't be the middle number because some of the. I remember some of the players were like already MLS players. Yeah, no, it had in it the had, first act. It had it had temporal problems, but you yeah, could, yeah. you could yeah, it had like Jimmy McLaughlin singing alongside with like I think Jurgen Lacadia or something like that. And I'm like, this isn't gonna work. He never played in the USL. Yeah, <laughs> give me GB. I want GB with a musical number. I think Jimmy and Lacadia were teammates in 2020. Oh, uh, briefly. Yeah. yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody ever remembers Jimmy's uh, uh, injury year in 2020 because he came on for, I think, five minutes in a behind closed doors. Remember the match. video of Ron Jans announcing to the <laughs> yeah. group that, like, Jimmy had uh, earned a contract? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Anyway, I, I, want, to, I, want, I want to know... What was on Darren Maddox's mind in that video? Oh wow! Well, I like, think he was in a. I think he probably had more important things on his mind at that at that stage. There was, there's a lot going on <laughs> in his personal life. <laughs> I don't think he was worried about his. Well, he, he needed income for a few things. But well, no, he, was about- he was he was in that video. It was like a team dinner. It was like before he like had removed himself from the team. Oh, okay. A lot of important things no, happen I... at FC Cincinnati team dinners, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to part two. Let's talk salaries. <laughs> it's slightly more relevant to what we're talking about here. So part two, we're talking, we're talking rosters, we're talking salaries. Here we go. We're back with a lovely ad break without an ad. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so, Someday. Yeah, and eh, maybe. Um, so the uh, the salary information comes out. FCC has some shopping to do this summer. Uh, Pat, I guess I'll ask you this. Were there any big surprises in the MLSPA salary information? Or maybe what was your biggest takeaway from it? Well, I I think it was interesting to see the full scope of where FC Cincinnati values Brandon Vasquez. Like like I said, when 
salary dump number two came late last season, we saw his numbers tick up, which was reflective of, I think, the new contract uh, or maybe just performance bonuses, whatever the case was. We saw the full thing. Um, yeah. So I'm, um, you know, seeing him at seven figures and guaranteed compensation feels feels about right. Um, I was just interested to see where that would come out. Um, Alvaro Barrial, who I I was surprised to see on uh, what was it roughly three hundred thousand in base salary. I thought that felt like really good business for FC Cincinnati. And again, that's kind of a backhanded compliment to Alvaro because it means right. He's I, maybe maybe you could interpret it as not getting paid at you know what he's worth or whatever, but. Um, you know, then his, his deal also appears to have other things built into it beyond base salary. So, um, that made me feel good for him. Uh, and then just something that I think was, it was pretty widely discussed, but just shocking that, um, and again, maybe Chris Albright didn't anticipate FC Cincinnati would be this good, um, at this stage in the season, but to have, no players in the top 20 in base salary, no players in the top 24 right. in MLS in guaranteed compensation. And FC Cincinnati is um, leading MLS at this stage. It just, look, you know, like if you want to think about that in terms of, you know, do I think Obi, do I think Lucho, do I think Brandon, you know, kind of can't use Brenner as an example anymore anymore but like <laughs> do I think these are among the top 20 most impactful players or top 24 whichever one you want to look at like yes I too I think Obi is one of the top 20 most impactful players in MLS and that makes me feel very good about the money that he's on and you know it's not like I'm crying poor for him because he's he's very well paid he's very well compensated but, you know, I think you could justify paying him a whole heck of a lot more. And same with Lucho. And I think that'll probably change soon. But he's he was the one that stood out to me as like, man, he needs, you know. Right. Let's get this guy where he needs to be so he can just not have to think about it. Because he, you know, a guy has to be a top 10 player in this league in terms of, you know, relevance and value to his team and just at any team he could go anywhere and do what he's doing he's just that damn good so um i don't know i just vomited out a few different ideas uh <laughs> you guys can pick at it if you want no it was an interesting point to the idea though that we talked a little bit about this on the last show and i, I thought about it afterwards like after we talked about it a bit and this idea that if I was because I, I thought to myself, hey, a lot of these players are on low numbers relative to the production they're getting. Yeah. And I, I was like, wow, I, I wish the team was spending a little more on designated players. And, and then I thought about it. I was like, well, if the team was spending five million on Waboto's salary spot instead of what, what's he on, like a one point two point one or something yeah. like that, I think he's on, he's just over a million, just over a million. If they were spending five million instead of one million, the player I'd be looking for is Waboto. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like. The difference between that one million and five million spot isn't like a production golf; it's just a being paid golf. So it's almost like, yeah, they're yeah. they're on lower numbers, but they're they're so damn good. I think I would be paying that much for Roboto 
if like that number had come out and Waboto was, because we already kind of knew what his number was from the DP deal. But if you found out he was being paid three and a half or four million dollars, I don't think anyone would have batted an eye about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely not. I just don't want I'm I'm not concerned that that our DPs aren't making as much as other other teams DPs, because by and large, the ones who are making the most money haven't been all that productive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a threshold where payment far surpasses any possible on field value. (laughs) Yeah. Unless you're getting um, Mbappe or, or something yeah, like that, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. But but um, what I what I worry about is that I just don't want salary to be like identify the players you want, right? Like Albright identified Wobodo and you know decided that that's that's the player we want for this position, and then he brought him in on whatever salary number he could bring him in on, right? And um. I don't think like he should have said, oh, you're willing to come play for us for a million dollars. Well, I don't you you don't believe in yourself enough. You need to demand more money or something. <laughs> right. Like that would have been a silly thing to do to like insist that he needs to pay him more money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't want to see salary to be a barrier to, to act to signing the players that you've identified or that you've gotten into your team and that you want into your team. like. With Which Lucho's is, situation. Yeah, yeah. Or like finding the Brenner replacement. You know, I don't care if the Brenner replacement is making like $700,000, which is what Taddy Castellanos was making for yeah. NYCFC, or if he's making, you know, two and a half million dollars or whatever Cucho Hernandez is making. I just want, I just want the team to be willing to pay whatever the salary demand is for the player that Albright identifies. You know, and with Lucho, like the crew gave Zellerion a big raise last year. He's close to four million, I think now. I and I don't, you know. So, I mean, Lucho's in Zellerion's league as a player yeah. and as a oh, as yeah. a DP in MLS. So second straight year, Lucho is going to be leading a better team too. Yeah. Contributing more to a better team, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and and the the specific salary number just I don't care about it. Because once they become a DP, and I know ownership probably cares. Yeah. But I don't care. <laughs> probably. Because once they're a DP, <laughs> their their budget hit is set no matter how much yeah. you pay them. Yeah. Which is kind of the beauty of the system. If yeah. you can, if you can hack it, which I think FCC can. I don't think Boney's ever gonna be a barrier for FC Cincinnati just given the ownership group and how eager they are to win. I think with Albright in there, look, you see FC Cincinnati's middle of the pack in terms of overall spend based on what we see from salary salary dump. Yeah. It doesn't, I feel like we need to mention the necessary caveats here. This says nothing for transfer fees, agent fees, finders fees, all that crap. Um, But I think with Albright in the room, you're going to have him preaching a more fiscally responsible approach. Um, But I don't, I mean, this is still the same club that went in big on a transfer fee for Brenner. I don't think they would shy away if they see the value there. FC Cincinnati uses analytics um, 
to identify their guys, their guys, quote unquote, with surgical precision. And if their guy meets the criteria that they're looking for, they will pay top dollar. I don't, I don't ever sense that that's, but you know, been an obstacle yet. I think like, kind of like, I don't know, Obi just came in at salary wise where he came in and Lucho happened to be on what he's on now because that's where he was under the old regime. And it's what Albright inherited. You know what I mean? So, um, and he was making probably close to that with Atlas. Yeah. 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 Like he was, he was on a big was, number at Atlas. For coming back into MLS, given what had transpired, it, there was no controversy or scandal, but you know, you just, He's 18 months older. You don't know what you're going to get. It wasn't the most productive period of his career. I think that was a fair number. Uh, I thought about how how the Atlas stint factored <laughs> into what Lucho is, is or was being paid up until recently, you know, whatever's happening with his contract negotiation. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a good look for the club overall, I think, to be middle of the pack in terms of salary spend and, yeah, outpacing <laughs> some huge spenders, you know, in the right. standings. That's got to make some – I mean, they're doing Aren't, aren't the top there. two salary spend teams, LA Galaxy and Toronto, who are <laughs> Miserable. Bottom, right. of, bottom of the table? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's because, it's because of what they're paying their DPs. For the most part, like right. Chicharito is getting like what seven million dollars. Yeah, Insignia is, I think, the highest paid player in the league. Base salary. Yeah, he's probably he's probably getting more than seven and a half. He's he's getting seven and a half. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought for some reason I thought he was higher than that, but nah. And then Shakiri's overall eight, almost eight point two. Okay. So. Bernadeschi, I assume, is on a big number as well. Yeah, it's like for Toronto. To, I think it's close to four. I yeah. might be wrong there, but so between the two of them, that's probably more than some teams' salary spend. Yeah, I saw that. That is, yeah. the two of them combined <laughs> is significantly more than some teams. <laughs> so, based on looking at these numbers and seeing where the team is going, what's your take on where the shopping list is for Albright, and where is this team going to be going this summer as it looks to add to and build out to a team that's capable of maintaining this yeah. what appears to be a supporters shield run right now yeah well i mean i would answer that question based less on the numbers and just based on what we know to be the needs you know probably prioritize striker number one that situation is like i said i think that that thin bench at striker could be just an issue for one more match. Then if Sergio's available, you know, you can kind of ride, you can see it. Kimi comes back from the world cup and you can kind of see a clearer path to riding it out until the cavalry arrives. But um, pretty sketchy last night for the cavalry, not having arrived and Sergio at <laughs> being hurt and Kimi being in Argentina. So, you know, that was pretty interesting. Um, there is a need there. You have to yeah. backfill for Brenner. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you're being harsh, you know, if you want to be a harsh critic of the forward, the group of forwards, you're getting production from, you're getting end product from Brandon. Brenner's leaving. 
Um, Keeney scored in an open cup match against a lower league team, but you're not getting a whole lot else there. So I think on a number of different levels, there's a need there at striker. And obviously because of the Brenner going back to the money chief, because of Brenner coming off the books, I think, you know, the resources become available to go after guys at that. Well, we, we know that's happening. So, so yeah. you would use that spot, the Brenner spot. It would be a like for like swap. You'd expect them to get another YDP striker. No, I'm not saying that. I actually expect, I'm sorry if I misspoke. No. I expect them to bring in a, a lower, a player on a lower number and maybe not necessarily YDP. Hmm. Um, just again, someone that's going to you put them in their analytic model. It spits out names and they will go with one of those names and age is included in that. I'm sure they'd prefer to go the, the YDP route. I'm certain of that, but, um, you know, if it spits out a name and the name that is most attainable ends up being 23 or 24 years old, I think that's fine. You know, just, I just think that's fine. Um, but yeah, you need help there. And then it, it's, it's, it's the whole, like I, I alluded to that conversation about Yerson. Is he going to go now? Is he, yeah. he going to go mid season? Is he going to go after the season? Well, it, I haven't heard anyone talk about them, uh, bringing him in, like buying his contract off of wolves, which would be <laughs> a significant expenditure yeah yes. we, we, be nice please right? i don't there's think your anyone, young dp come I, on yeah, now <laughs> i don't think anyone i don't think anyone would mind but i i get the sense from wolves that they like what's happening and they want him back at some point i, I mean yeah. i always got that sense but it's just trended more in that direction is my sense since he's been here because he's wolves are seeing the same things that we are and it's been pretty damn impressive so we were hoping that they were just sending him the bad highlights to wolves and just saying, <laughs> Oh, it's, it's not been know, great. I know, I know. <laughs> somehow figured out a way to navigate YouTube and Apple TV. <laughs> Apple TV was the more impressive thing to navigate, but yeah, they saw it all. Um, so yeah, I, I keep an eye on possible center back backline guys as well. Um, Ian Mur like Ian Murphy, like I said, you feel better about the situation with him there, but still a young guy, like the chief said. So I would prioritize striker and center back specifically. Yeah. Where does what do you guys, what do you guys think? Are you guys with me on that or I know Grayson think... has been clamoring for a center back for yes. quite some time. So yeah, I don't think you're gonna be there. Yeah. I think my own my only question is and you you kind of alluded to it in in your answer is do you prioritize getting that replacement dp in for brenner in this window when that player can contribute to the run or because of the nature of a ydp where you're looking for younger talent yeah. you're looking for someone that fits in a much more specific window because of the age issue as well not just the position and not just the talent level that that's a type of spot that you absolutely don't want to rush out and buy. You want to do the diligence yeah. and find the right player. 
as tough as that would be for us as fans watching this team and wanting, you know, the next Brenner to come in when they can make a difference this year. You're right. Okay. I want Grayson to pay close attention to my answer and call me out if I contradict myself here on things I've said in the last 10 minutes. But I think that, yes, the, the depth at striker is thin right now. Dangerously so at the moment. However short-lived that might be. Um, Brandon is getting hot. Sergio has been consistent. I forgot to mention him when I was going through my rundown of what the strikers are giving you. Sergio has been consistent, although kind of an ever-present threat is the injury bug with him as well. Yeah. Um, Kimi's at the World Cup, and Dom seems like he's close, but just can't put it in the back of the net. Um, you've gotten this far. Look, Brenner's contributed. You've done a lot of the damage that FC Cincinnati's done this year without Brenner. And I don't mean just without Brenner's end product. I mean, without him, period. Like, in the stadium, on the bench, available to play. So, if you're talking about a like-for-like replacement, ooh, boy, it's tough to swallow. But the main thing here, what FC Cincinnati wants to – look, I'll go back to what Chris Albright said. You would probably want to wait till the offseason, Chief. Do your due diligence. If you can get it done sooner, great. Maybe they're ahead of the ball there. Maybe they're, they're – excuse me, maybe they're further ahead in that process than we give them credit for. And maybe they would be prepared to pull the trigger on a like-for-like replacement this summer. We'll see. Um. Assuming that's not the case, like I said, you've done so much of what you've accomplished. Yeah, without Brenner. The onboarding, the transition period. You also want to be careful not to disrupt what's going on right now. You know, right. If a guy if a guy needs, you know, kind of a launch pad of three, four games to get acclimated to playing alongside Brandon or whatever the situation. Do you have – they don't have three or four games to spare if they're going to legitimately contest the supporter shield. You know, it'll be that close because it always is. Um, yeah, I, I would I would preach patience and due diligence over let's find someone now because we were hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. And what I will go back to is what Chris Albright told me in preseason at their preseason camp in Florida, which is that they, the goal this year and going forward last year, they achieved success. Now they want to kind of sustain and maintain it. And I think the way you do that is not by forcing like a, a trade deadline, a North American trade deadline style move just to bring right. someone in for the stretch run. Yeah. As, okay. much as, as, much, as much as that sucks. Okay. Can I ask, can I ask a follow-up question to that? Yeah. Um, so last year the crew signed Cucho Hernandez yeah. in the summer window. Yeah. Uh, both MLS cup finalists last year signed designated player strikers in the summer window. Philly signed Uwa. And LAFC signed Bawanga. They also brought in Gareth Bale in the summer window. 
why can other teams sign good players in the summer window and FC Cincinnati can't? The Matt Miazga erasure is real here. Right. But like <laughs> they've had they've had a lot of time to think about striker prospects. Yeah. And, right. how, and how they want to replace Brenner. And this is the off the summer is the off season for most of the leagues that they're going to be signing players out of. So it's like a good time for those players to move. Why does Chris Albright not want to sign a designated? Why would Chris Albright not want to sign a designated player striker in a season where they're potentially competing for multiple trophies? I think you're making when a lot of other teams have really successfully making, done that in the past. I think you're making your argument and proving it and stamping it. <laughs> stamping my face. You're stamping you're trampling me with this. Hey. It's a convincing right. argument. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, maybe they are farther ahead on that than I than I give Chris credit for. Uh and maybe they are ready to make that move. I just I I worry about rushing it. I worry about rushing it. Just the age part of it too. Other teams can sign good players. Signing a young BP is you just don't want to whiff on it. I yeah, don't but think. Cooch yeah. Cooch Cucho was barely oh, too he was old a to Premier League player. He was barely too old to be a young DP. I wouldn't be yeah. upset if they signed Cucho, but unfortunately, there's only one Cucho. Right. Ooh, but what if we did <laughs> sign him? <laughs> the scandal. <laughs> uh, Pat, let me ask you this one before we move on to preview that uh, that Columbus game. Uh, Yuya Kubo making one point two million dollars. There was <laughs> we're this podcast is I think officially our official position is that we are confused as to how Yuya Kubo ended up on this roster again this year. Uh, it didn't sound like he had another year on his contract, and yet he showed up again. What is the <laughs> what is the thought inside of the organization with Kubo? Is he an FCC lifer? Was this a clerical error that kept him here? What is happening here? <laughs> um. Well, my take on that was always that there. This is another where I'd like to be able to go back and check my notes, but I mean, why would why would you consciously look? He's a good player, but the two things are not the math isn't mathing there. So, um, my thought was always that, and I I don't know this to be a hundred percent true, but my thought was always that there was. Uh, some kind of obligation on the team side, or perhaps uh, even with was not a prominent player in last year's team compared to others, but you know may, maybe something kicked in with the contract that uh, required him to come back this year. I don't know what the situation is there, but yeah, that's the you've singled out the outstanding, the obvious outlier from the batch yeah um and it's it's a yeah how do you it's a tough situation you know right yeah yeah i mean you know i think part of the reason 
Chris, and I, I want to believe they were anticipating this um, with the situation <laughs> with Kubo. And to that extent, it was not a clerical error. But, you know, it was going to take more than a year, more than one offseason to, you know, they did remarkably well tidying up this roster to and to be able to do what they did last year. And, you know, same thing can be said this year. But I don't think Chris ever promised that, you know, all the, he, that he'd be able to do undo every everything that was wrong about FC Cincinnati in uh, 18 months and, and two off seasons contained within there. So, um, do, yeah, yeah. You guys like him because he's here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do he, like him. Like yeah, a good love him. Not the number though. It felt like there were three. It felt like there were three contracts that. That had, Did, I, I think, probably who, pretty obvious answers, but like oh, the team who, never who, acknowledged who them. The who are your other two? Uh, Baji and Vermeer. That they, I think, were previously announced as having options for this year. Yeah, yeah. Did not have, you know, did not make large, significant marks on the team's success last year. Yeah. And then were brought back on what I would say high numbers yeah, sure. for, for their cut in, in relation to their, their role sure. in the team. Yeah. And um, I was just like, is like, did the, all of them have like playoff triggers in their contracts? And if they, if that was the case, you know, it's not Albright's fault. If Vermeer and Kubo had some, you know, really easily triggered option, it's kind of his was... fault. If Baji did. Right. That, that's an Albright <laughs> move. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, look, it's tough with Dom. I, I, I'm able to see like the benefit of having someone of his experience on a daily basis at the training center. You know, it's like, I saw, I saw a cool little, um, TikTok style clip of Pep Guardiola recently talking about one of his, you know, fantastic eight figure players and eight-figure salary players and someone was asking about a specific player in relation to analytics and pep was kind of railing against some analytics and saying there there is value here that you're not going to find um you know next to in in the modern day box score next to expected goals i think dom offers a lot of that i think a lot of his value if you're if you want to like look at the number and try to fill in value for that number, like where is the value coming from that equals that number for Don Baji? A lot of that is in how younger players benefit from being around him. I know that sounds mm. that probably sounds that probably sounds really lame. And look, it's a results business. You need end product from him. Um, it's not. It's also not like he's ten miles away from scoring a goal. Right. Like, right. He's got it in him. It just it hasn't happened yet. And given the salary the structure of the deal it's like yeah it is what it is um and with baji i mean baji is like a couple hundred thousand above you know what i would say was like yeah like, it was like it's like the, the platonic ideal number for him right. so it doesn't bother me that and, much Kubo's like kubo is probably like three times where you want him yeah. and baji's where you want him good, to be baji's giving good minutes too and the thing with kubo to me is that i wouldn't want to pay him that much if they can find somebody to take them, I wouldn't hate it. 
But at the very least, if you're going to be grossly overpaying for a player, at least you're grossly overpaying for a guy who, when he's on the field, really does provide active contributions as opposed to yeah. like a Kenneth Vermeer where at no dollar value was he worth having on your roster and at yeah. no dollar value was he going to actually do something for you. Where's Kubo? Kubo can give you 15, 20 minutes a match. And Kubo, yeah. Kubo, I think is the one who got his assist stolen. Didn't he, did he, did Kubo take the corner that Hagland? He, he may have scored. Maybe. I don't remember. I He's didn't watch the game. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. He has terrible this, luck. Like, this goes back <laughs> to what I was kind of alluding to about like transparency, the need for more of it in MLS. I know it's my job and people in my position to like pry these details loose, but like when the culture of MLS is so so much skewed toward the the fine details of these contracts being just either shrouded in mystery or just straight up withheld from public view at every turn. You know, I, I I am puzzled sometimes by some of the rationale behind this the twice annual salary dump that MLSPA is, but in the spirit of much, much needed transparency, it serves such an important purpose in that respect. Um being at the facility I think a couple of years in a row now on the, on the day that it dropped, that the salary dump drops, you, know, you kind of can't help, but feel like you're walking on eggshells. That's gotta be an uncomfortable day in the locker room, but ultimately they're professionals. They're the ones that have to deal with that. And they do, whether they do that well or not kind of falls down to the individual, but you know, I wish I could tell you guys what the exact situation is. Um, but you know, unfortunately, these, look, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for Kubo had to be here, you know, on that number, I, he gives you what he's got. And I know he was hurt up until recently, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for these things that that's the other, that's the, it puts these guys, that's the, that's the double-edged sword of this salary dump. It puts players like Kubo in an uncomfortable spot because, you know, he knows that he knows what the score is and that number is there. His teammates see it. Everyone sees it. I think he was part of, uh, he was on the wrong bet, uh, best 11 that the athletic put together, like the least value 11 that they put together, maybe an honorable mention, whatever. Um, you know, that's a tough spot. That sucks. But so yeah. that's what it is. That's what it is, guys. I mean, the, other, the, Kubo, of, the other sports have to deal with this right from the start. So, I mean, yeah. in the MLS, it's like there's a shock day like this. But in the NFL, everybody knows what everybody's making right from jump. <laughs> yeah, and I feel yeah. like I feel like things like, you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, the they're just. Yeah, there, there's more awareness of what, you know, you get a clear breakdown when a big NBA player contract is signed. You know, what's base salary, what's incentive, when do the incentives trigger? I feel like that that's common knowledge in other sports and like in so many other areas of MLS, we're just not there yet. They have <laughs> right. not caught up. You know, it's been a tough transition for people like Laurel, Failer, and myself, who were told at the start of the season that uh post-match press conferences would be broadcast live. And like that kind of 
put a chill down my spine because then there's going to be this performative aspect of it where I have to really be on my toes and pronunciating straight and, you know, just giving a good account of myself because I don't want to sound like an idiot <laughs> on, on a live broadcast that never thought about you know, that like said, in, a, in a playoff scenario, you know, that could be carried on local radio, maybe, maybe right, right. late, late round playoff situation. But that's just one of the areas where NBA, MLB, NFL, those beat writers are dealing with that stuff every day. You know, right. and MLS is just not there yet. So, yeah, I'm still adjusting to the uh, broadcast uh, situation with press <laughs> conferences. And we're all, you know, desperately shuffling for details about certain player contracts and why people are here and not elsewhere. Oh, I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> I am. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Hey, if I'm Kubo, I'm resin everybody else for not having as good of an agent as me. But, yeah. Hey, man, you're starting. I'm making right. double your salary. Maybe yeah. you should talk to your guys. Right. Don't worry, guys. I got the check tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, hey, we've we've got a Columbus crew match to preview. Let's do that in part wow. three and then let's make a podcast. Well, we lost Chief for part three here. Uh, he had to go, for uh, for the listener out there, he had to go deal with a situation at the stadium. So try to imagine a, a, a world, a situation, a uh, 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 something that could be happening at the stadium that Chief is required to go in and solve that. And you might get a good sense about how, uh, how Saturday is going. But um, no, uh... <laughs> Pat, how are how are the vibes going into Hell is Real this this weekend? I mean, couldn't be better, right. I would think. Right. Other than the striker situation, sure. And just given Don Baji's performance on Wednesday, I don't feel too too bad about that. I don't do you think he? Do you think he starts against Columbus? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And. Um, yeah, look, FC Cincinnati is the superior team uh, in the standings by the eye test. Columbus, you know, give them credit for beating a bad L.A. team and, you know, give them everything that that's worth. It's it's hard to win in this league. Pat Noonan said that a couple weeks ago. So, OK, fine. They won. But that was their first win since April 8th, I think. You know, FC Cincinnati is rolling right now. Uh, I think there's no one better suited to come in and ruin what is going well for FC Cincinnati right now than not just the crew and their fans, but Wilfred Nancy. I think the game some people might have expected from Montreal last night is the game we'll get from Columbus because those Montreal teams – were coached by Wilfred Nancy. Nancy's obviously at Columbus now. So the barn burner that some of us, including me, thought we were going to get last night or you know on Wednesday, I think could be coming on uh Saturday against Columbus. But no, the vibes are awesome, immaculate. Um yeah. what else is there to say? FC right. Cincinnati is <laughs> cruising along in everything they're playing in right now, every competition. Uh, the star players are being stars, being great, contributing, 
Um, probably couldn't ask for more if you're an FC Cincinnati fan at this moment. Yeah, I think the the Nancy barn burner point is a great one because, yeah, I was in the same boat. It was like, all right, this is Montreal. This is like got 4-3 written all yeah. over it, just classic. But that is like how Columbus has played this year. They are a high-scoring, high-conceding team. Yeah. If it means anything to this fan base, Gustavo Vallecilla is a stalwart on their defense. So... Yeah. Wouldn't it just be so hellish real for him to come in and score <laughs> no. a late brace to no, win it? No. See, that's where so like the vibes are immaculate, but because this yes. is hell is real, no lead is safe, no like nothing is sacred. Um everything we think we know, we don't because it's hell is real. <laughs> this is the game where like I I I have said for a while that I think. FC Cincinnati will lay an egg at some point between now. They have like an incredibly busy schedule. And right. two West Coast trips between now and June 10. At some point during that stretch, I expect them to lay an egg. And I don't think it should be treated like the end of the world. We probably will treat it that way anyway. But maybe I'm just trying to brace myself and others for that eventuality. Yeah. Because the schedule is so congested right now. And maybe this is the egg that they're going to lay I don't know. I yeah. don't I don't think they will, but just take everything you think you know about FC Cincinnati, throw it out the window because Wilfred Nancy's gonna dissect the hell out of it and break <laughs> it down and build his team up for uh, I think what'll be a very entertaining game. Wilfred yeah. Nancy and super assistant Yoan Demet. Yoan Demet. <laughs> if I'm if I'm gonna have uh, like a hot take rant, which I usually have on please on your it's it's against a sect of fans it's not against any individual you know i think yoan dame for periods of time did yeoman's work at fc cincinnati he certainly had to fill in at inopportune moments in the yes. club's history but i don't get the fans that hold him in this regard any regard you know just given what he did as the manager of this team, and like for every, I mean, look, this there are worse things to be said about other coaches in FC Cincinnati failure, but for every on-field misstep this club experienced in MLS, you know, Yohan Dame is linked to it. You know, and I'm I'm excluding 2012 or excuse me 2022 and this year from that. But all the bad teams, you know, he did step up and fill in, and and, and it was a professional in a lot of important ways. But I don't get this, and I have they haven't been too noisy yet. I expect they'll they'll come out of the woodwork here in the next 36 hours, but. I just don't get this group of this small group of FC Cincinnati fans that are all, oh, thank you, Johan, your contribution to the club. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you don't thank Alan Koch, if you don't thank Yopstam, um why yeah. why are you thanking? Why like, this guy? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It really, it really, why is he held to a different standard? <sighs> I am so glad that you made this rank because you you've just put into words all these feelings I've been feeling about this that like Wait, seriously 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> he was so bad. He was not. And like he's an assistant coach for the majority of the time. Yeah. But even during that time, I can't single out a player that got better with FCC. Like, let the results be what the results are. It's hard to say like, ah, oh, well, at least he developed Victor Uoa or he yeah. developed uh, Andrew Gutman. It's like, nah, like every guy who left FCC from that like three year stretch either immediately retired or became a <laughs> 10 times better player somewhere else. <laughs> like, I don't understand. It's It, it was just, yeah. And... And then, of course, when he was in charge, it, he was not getting good results. He literally won the one game in 2019 against Montreal, of all teams. Uh, and that looked cool. And then that was it. it. That was the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up for sure. Well, I'm and sorry. I got a sidetrack. You guys. No, that no, was good. I think, I think this, this, this actually segues into something that I've been thinking about. Hey, is Jason, like, are, are we okay? Are we cool, man? Who, me and you? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I thought like you, I felt like you were coming at my throat a little bit with the, uh, <laughs> early, earlier in the episode. I just want to make sure we're That's just how Grayson is. No, we're, we're good. Sure we're good. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, everyone, I was... Likes, everyone likes to get over on the beat writer and you did it. You, you proved. No, you, no, no, no. Sa- you're savvier and more equipped for those subjects than I was. I no, I was sure posing cool. the question. I, I, mean, I was I just posing the question cool. to Albright. No, we're cool. I mean, we're cool. We're cool on my end. Okay. He was, all right, all right, he all was right. deposing Albright, and you were his lawyer, and uh, it didn't go well. Um, <laughs> so your your argument for why they should get a young DP this summer was correct. So. <laughs> So uh, that is the point that, that Pat just brought up with, with Demay. And the other thing is, like, I never understood the mystique around Demay anyway, because he left. <laughs> mystique is a good word. He left, uh, like, a bad Montreal teams yes. where he was an assistant to be an assistant for us in USL. Yeah, no, You know? Kidding. Like, he must interview really well. And he does, like, he does look svelte. <laughs> you know, like, he, like, has, yeah. like, a look. That that makes sense to me, but never yeah. played though, which is yeah, no, right, right, odd at this level, yeah, um, it, yeah. He he actually kind of reminds me of the guy. I mean, I get really way way off track, but <laughs> he like reminds me of the guy who I can't I can't place his name now. Who was like Mourinho's assistant when he coached Spurs? Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about, and like. I know that guy obviously sucked too. But go on, go on. But no, anyway, you're, you're you're totally on one here. But there's a there, there's a segment of fans who I think go way overboard to make nicey nice with like Columbus and other fans, and they're like overly concerned that if you just that if you don't project this like overwhelmingly. The classy fan. yeah, level of positivity that you're gonna like somehow make us look bad, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, they're they're toxic fans or whatever." And I, the closest, the actually the best analogy for it is something that's really bothering me this season on among many things on mm. the show Ted Lasso, <laughs> where now this is a hell is real preview. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> so. Sorry for for spoilers, but I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> if, 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 if this show can be spoiled for you, like, if, if you care about, like, not knowing what's coming next on Ted Lasso, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but so like, this season, but go on. so his his wife took him to couples therapy, right? And at the time he was like, oh, it feels like he's just taking her side and they're yelling at me. This was like a season one uh, point, right? Fast forward to this season. She's dating. The therapist. Yeah. And the message the show seems to send is that. He he needs to accept this and this is fine. And if and, and he just needs to, like, be happy and move on. When he should probably be blowing this guy's life up, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he should be like reporting this guy to whatever oh, yeah. board of psychiatry <laughs> is is because Huge this guy ethical it, concerns. It here. looks like the guy torpedoed the marriage on purpose from his privileged position as a as a psychiatrist because he wanted to get with the get with the wife, and right. he would be totally justified in blowing this guy up, you yes. know, in being mad. Or just pointing out like this yeah. is not right, right? Just you know? not accepting and, it. Yeah, yeah. And like, I think we need to have a little bit more self confidence, yeah, as fans. And like, like someone had to do Yoan's job when Alan stuff, got fired. When yeah. when uh, Ron Yans got fired, just because he stepped into the fire and in front of the firing line doesn't mean he was <laughs> some kind of great football mind. If that's where you're going with this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we just, it's okay analogy. to point out stuff. That's a great analogy. <laughs> it's okay to point out stuff that's true, you know. It's okay to point out stuff from your pers- that you that you think is true from your perspective. Yeah. You know, you like, don't have to just go along and get along. Yeah, like it, it wasn't beer in that can that Kucher drank. You know, yeah, like right. You know, these are the truths <laughs> that we just need to make sure are out there. <laughs> From oh no! I uh, what was the other thing? Like, <laughs> our fans shouldn't have gotten mad and been like ap- apologetic that somebody threw a beer on the field, and it was I, just used. Yeah. It was just used by crew fans to be like, "We'll see." Even their fans are saying this when, like, there's footage of crew fans throwing a whole bunch of shit on the field in the against against Portland. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and no one said anything. Yeah, and like, let's not act like crew didn't antagonize that like you you know what you're doing when you're going right. up to a crowd like that flipping them off shushing yeah, them man. yeah in a in a yeah like i mean i'm not gonna throw something but like somebody could, somebody else does you know that's not my problem yeah i can see how they get there it's just got nothing to do with me <laughs> that's a team and stadium situation i don't need to don't need to yeah don't need to worry about that now what i find about interesting about this game is that this is a game where I kind of wish I have I would have seen more of Columbus crew and Apple's standardized kickoff times of which I am generally a fan of to be clear has largely prevented me from watching any Columbus crew games Um, I do I do enjoy hate watching my rivals I don't know if anybody else does that all things being equal I'm more (laughs) likely to watch a crew game and hope they lose than any other team in the league unless there's a obvious FCC tie-in so I I can't speak too much to this team other than 
They score a lot of goals. They have a a better goal differential than we do, and we have nine more points than them, if that's any indication as yeah. to how their season has gone. Um, I'll put it to you, Pat. How would you – how do you predict this game? And if you have a prediction behind a paywall, feel free to ignore me and direct no, people okay. to that paywall. No, I don't think – the predictions don't <laughs> – I don't think – the predictions – if you – my, they're not predictions are not supposed to go behind the paywall okay um, okay <laughs> uh and i haven't published one on cincinnati.com yet so what i say here i'm gonna have to hold myself to um no <laughs> look you know this is not the first time in this right in, in the recent history of this rivalry where i thought all signs point to cincinnati and then you go and play the match and you know yeah, it just doesn't go that way. So uh, it's cliche, but this is a kind of take the records, throw it out, throw them out the window, take the points and the standings, throw them out the window. Um, Wilfred Nancy knows how to play Pat Noonan's team. Um, that scares me, and he's he'll do it with better players than he did in mm. two games with Montreal last year. So. Um, Cincinnati, I think what's going to win the day here for Cincinnati, we cannot forget this. Um, you know, we talked uh, about five hours ago on the show, we talked about <laughs> Roman Celentano, you know, what's going well for him, what's not. I think this is a really, this is still a really good defensive team. Yeah. FC Cincinnati is a significantly better defensive team than Montreal, in my opinion, from what I've seen. And I think that'll win the day. I still think it'll be crazy or maybe crazy at face value. So I'm going to say 3-2 FC Cincinnati. Ooh. And that's as crazy as it gets other than outside of – Yeah. Yeah, that's about as crazy as it gets this year for FCC. So I like it. Grayson, what do you got for this one? Well, you're you're ask, free, by the way. You yeah, can know, predict whatever I, you want. Yeah. Uh, I do got to ask Pat a question because I saw a tweet oh, geez, from him today. And you, t- you talked about Mascara's status for the weekend. Yes. Was he just rotated out on Wednesday or I is there any question? Okay. I think he was, yeah. Yeah. Earlier this week in training, Ian Murphy, like, I, I, at no point was I made aware of anything wrong with Yerson Mascara. Um, I mean, he was dressed and warming up on the sideline yeah, yeah, yeah. last thing. Last, yeah. So uh, when I popped the question to Pat today about just his status and what was going on there, um, it was within the context of possible injury or whatever. But um, yeah, I- Ian Murphy slid over to be with the starting group, and um, yeah, that's so. Uh, but. It sounds like that was just precautionary at worst. And I don't even know what the issue would have been. That was, that was not, I don't know that there was one over the course of the week. So. All right. So I like, I like, actually like Pat's prediction. And I, and I, I'm sorry. Just, it sounds like Yerson will play on Saturday. Yeah. Too. Okay. So cool. Good. So I actually like Pat's prediction three, two. Um, I think the way that we get there is I think, FC Cincinnati builds a big lead, maybe gets up like 3-1, 3-0, or 2-0, 3-1, something like that. But I think 
I think crew I think crew have enough guns that if they're like throwing everything forward and really going for it that they'll 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 they're good for, you know, stealing a late goal. Hmm. I don't like preparing myself to mentally deal with that, but I'll take the result. I really don't want to be, you know, they score a goal in the 85th minute. And you're like, ah, shit, they're going to take this one, aren't they? They got all the momentum. <laughs> I like that one. Um, I will say for Chief, uh, before he left, I, I did uh, get him to confess a uh, prediction. He predicted he won. He went wild, but in another direction. Four to one FCC. Which what prediction? Wow. I can't imagine a better game for FCC other than, I guess, four nothing. I'm, I'm very creative. I can imagine other things. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will. I will also go. I'll go conservative. I don't think. I think the league and other teams, Columbus included, are bent to FCC's will. This is how this team operates. This is a one nothing victory for FCC. FCC is inevitable. <laughs> God, that would be. I. I that, that sounds agonizing. That'll be awful. Say, like, I might, I might bite my fingers off if it's if it's one nothing, especially if we score the first goal in like the twenty fifth minute, and then the rest of the game is just you hanging on. Oh my god! Holy crap! There's hey. no. <laughs> Everything else that's happened this season would lead me to believe that's exactly how this game will go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no! So there you have it. Well, if any of those things happen. We'll probably talk about it on the podcast on Sunday. Uh, but otherwise, gentlemen, is there anything else that we, we need to get off our chest before we get out of here? I got my rant in. Good. I'm, good. I'm, I'm glad I'm worried, we could. I'm worried if I say anything else, I'm going to I'm gonna make Pat feel bad again. <laughs> Why? What about what? What do you got? What could possibly be left? What, what? <laughs> Bring up an old article he wrote five my years soul, ago. My just... soul has already been crushed. What, what, just spit it out. I don't. I actually don't. I don't have anything. <laughs> oh God. Well, Pat, thank you so so much. Thank you for uh, for coming on. Jason you... has made me feel like I brought my D game. I I want to come back again soon <laughs> with my A game. No, we will. We will absolutely have you on as soon as <laughs> as soon as the lights of Cincinnati overtakes Mister Brightside. You will you will be our first guest back on. Well, then I'll see you never. <laughs> that's it's, not happening. It's a shame that the team has won, isn't it? Because it's going to be hard to mess with that don't, one now. Don't think that forces from within didn't crush that argument. Don't think so, for a second. I will say, so I was walking on 14th Street after the game, and I was getting to <laughs> Low Spark, and suddenly I hear from... I can't tell where it may have been some apartment window there. It was, it was loud. Somebody blaring <laughs> the lights of Cincinnati. Was there a sudden, could it have been a sudden acid flashback? No, it, it could have been, but, <laughs> but I want to say there's like a 95% chance whoever was doing that listens to this podcast. So just yes. let me know yeah, if you're, if you're the responsible party for that, because we'll come, we'll come hang out. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll bring a bottle of nice bourbon and uh yeah. Or just a bottle of some bourbon. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring a bottle of mediocre bourbon and we'll party. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey there, it's your boy, the chief. I had to come back and I had just one final, final thought. And this will only take a second. Fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.